Had a full praise team today. That was a blessing. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I'm uh, Pastor Ken, and uh, if you are a guest of ours today, thank you so much for being here. We are, uh, we're blessed to have you with us, and uh, I would encourage you to come back next week when our pastor will be uh, preaching up here. But I have the opportunity this morning, and I'm um, thankful for that. We are in a series in 1 Corinthians, and so if you would, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. That's where we're going to be in just, a, in just a few minutes. But I want to just welcome all of you here from, a lot of you are coming off of vacation. This was kind of a weird week, wasn't it? With 4th of July on, on uh, Tuesday, uh, we came, I came in Wednesday to here and it felt like a Monday and I was off all week. And it's, but I'm so thankful that you remembered it was Sunday and you're here today. And uh, so that's pretty awesome. You're doing well. Oh, we were kept up several nights, including last night with fireworks in our neighborhood. And uh, I can't be upset about that because it's just, it's so cool to have people uh, shooting off fireworks even, hopefully it doesn't go too late. But whether you're coming off a of vacation and feeling refreshed or coming off a of vacation and feeling tired or it's just been a normal week or wherever you are, I'm glad that you are here. And I want you to know this, you are loved. You are loved by God and you're loved by us and I'm thankful that you came today. So we are Again, we're in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, and I want to just kind of set the stage a little bit before we finish out this little chunk, because it seems to me, and the pastor mentioned it a couple weeks ago, that chapter 11, 12, 13, and 14 are kind of a, a, a chunk where Paul, with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, is writing to the church at Corinth, but it's also applicable to us because uh, people are the same through all generations, Right? But he's giving them instructions, primarily instructions for the church as they gather together as the believers in the house of God. And so he's telling them some things they need to know and some, just some instructions so things go well. Because the whole purpose of us gathering together, and this is my main point today, the whole purpose of us gathering together and why God does this for us is because we help to build each other up. And we encourage each other and pray for each other and love on each other and sometimes kind of speak into, you know, a word of, uh, that needs to be said or whatever, but it's to build each other up. That's what God's plan is. And so in chapter 11, uh, and Pastor went through this for a couple weeks, but it, it starts off and it talks about how, um, what, what we wear and why that's important and how we act in the church. And then the next week he talked about how the Lord's Supper and some, some stipulations on the Lord's Supper because people were abusing that and some people were coming in and uh, having just a giant feast like they went to Pizza Ranch or something like that and other people just had a little bit to eat and he's like, listen, that's not the purpose. When we get together, we're supposed to be building each other up, amen? Building each other up and remembering what Jesus did for us. So chapter 11 was kind of like how we behave in church and then chapter 12 God started uh, telling us about spiritual gifts. And so Paul's writing down all these, we all have different gifts. And listen, I want, I want to encourage you that if you're kind of like, I don't know what to do in the church, then ask God because he wants to help you figure it out because he has given every single one of us at least one gift and some of us more. And God decides what gifts we get and God puts them uh, uh, in, in place in the right church. So we had... We had some needs in the, at Wyatt Park, and then you showed up. 
And, and if you do what God's called you to do, then that, that duty is taken care of, right? If you and I are all um, doing what God's called us to do, we're not going to have any uh, spaces in here that we need to fill because God will already have done that through you. And you have a gift. And so that's pretty cool. And so he also um, uh, builds us up with each other's gift. And if we're not engaged, then we're missing some things. But if we are engaged, then we're all going to be a, a blessing. And then it goes into talking about how the church is one body. And I was thinking about this on Monday night. <clears throat> yeah, Monday night, Joel and I went to our first St. Joseph uh, Mustang baseball game. And so uh, we were sitting kind of high up. Joel and I were kind of high. It was pretty cool. Um, they were offering free tickets to veterans, so we got two free tickets, so we didn't have to pay to get in, and we enjoyed a nice game, and then there was really cool fireworks after it, and it was awesome. But one of the things that happened in the middle of that reminded me about the body of Christ, and, and let me try and help you figure out my brain, because I, it was about fifth or sixth inning, and we were going to get some, I was going to get some snacks, and so there was these steps. There weren't steps like this. There were big old concrete steps and we were sitting kind of high up and I just thought oh you know hey listen I'll I'll go get us something and so I start going down those steps like I used to do when I was younger and I was you know like when I was younger your your mind your eyes and your brain and your legs everything just works together a lot better and I would just run down those it was kind of like a challenge right as fast as I could get down and I started going down those steps and I'm like whoa this isn't I need to be a little more intentional about this or I'm going to end up, you know, embarrassing myself. And so I slowed down. And that's what, that's what it is, right? With the body of Christ is supposed to all work together like our body does. And I was thinking about this as well. When something bad happens, we're supposed to rally around each other, right? And that's what chapter 12 is talking about. Using our gifts and how we're supposed to work together as a body. Let me explain it like this. Let's say, like your body has a lot of different parts, doesn't it? But let's say one tiny little part of your body gets injured. Like you hit your finger or smash your finger, right? Well, the rest of the body kind of kicks in, doesn't it? Like you smash this one little part of your finger and the hand and the wrist are like, oh, I'll help you out. We'll kind of shake that out a little bit, right? We'll shake it out. And if it's really hard, it was really, you know, then your whole arm's like, hey, I'll help you out, right? And they start, you start shaking like this. And then your face says, hey, I gotta get, a, I gotta get into this. And you're like, you know, your face kind of scrunches up like this, and you're like, oh, that, that hurt, and your mouth's like, hey, I'll help you out, ow, right, and then if it's really bad, your legs are like, hey, this will make you feel better, and we all, the whole body gets involved when there's an issue, are you with me? <laughs> so, chapter 11 is talking about how we're supposed to behave in the church. Chapter 12 is we all have spiritual gifts and how we can work each other, uh, work together. And what's the purpose? To build up the body of Christ. Because did you know this? And our speaker yesterday at the, at the uh, men's breakfast had this on his shirt. I love this. Well, we're better together, aren't we? We're better when we're together. And so chapter, thin, chapter that's 11, 12, 13, pastor talked about this last week, about how he, um, God reminded us of his agape, his unselfish agape love that he reaches out for us. And then he's like, hey, listen, church, you're supposed to love each other as well with an unselfish love. 
And you know what happens when we do that? It builds up the body, doesn't it? Our church. And so that brings us to the text today when Paul continues to teach us about how we are to behave in the church. And tongues gets primary attention um, on this chapter, but really I don't think that's Paul's point at all. As a matter of fact, I think it's quite clear that the point is something different, but we oftentimes go to chapter 14 and focus on tongues, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, but I want to tell you what I think is the bigger picture, and it starts off right in verse 1. So look at verse 1 with me. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, listen to this, pursue love. And so here's what Paul's doing. He's, he's making this, Paul does these complicated big uh, debates and arguments and makes these points. And so he's talked about chapter 11, talked about chapter 12, talked about chapter 13. And then when he gets to chapter 14, which he just wrote it in one letter, but we divided it up. He's like, oh, by the way, before I make my last point, pursue love. That's chapter 13. And desire spiritual gifts. Remember what I said back in chapter 12? See, before we're going on, he's like, there's context. Before, we, before I keep going, there's context on how we get to this topic. So, so love each other and build each other up that way. Use your spiritual gifts and build each other up that way. And especially, say especially, and especially that you may prophesy. And this isn't, this isn't revelation, foretelling, prophesying. This is declaring kind of divine truth, right? Preaching and teaching, prophesying the truth of God's word, okay? So he's saying, especially when you're loving each other and you're using your gifts, it's really, 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 really important that we declare divine truth from the pulpit and from our Sunday school classes to build up the body of Christ. And that's what he's talking about. Oops, I almost tripped. Okay, that's okay. Imagine what it was like on those stairs. I'm serious. Like It, it was bad. It was like a, whoa, moment for, for me. How many of you that are, like, this is, this is just a freebie. How many of you that are older don't think you're that old? Like, right? There you go. See? I mean, I'm 60, but I feel like I'm... 39 because pastor's 40 you know what I mean so I'm you know but I don't but anyway I keep getting reminded all the time that I'm 60 but here you go let's so let's read this um let's read the whole thing uh verses 1 through 25 all right stay with me because this is our text and this is God's word it's important here's what it says verse 1 again pursue love and desire spiritual gifts and especially that you may prophesy for the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people, but to God, since no one understands him and he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the perfect who, person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening and encouragement and consolation. The person who speaks in another tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in other tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. Did you hear that? So that the church may be built 
Uh, verse 6, so now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in other tongues, how will I, I benefit you unless I speak to you with, uh, with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? In fact, if the bugle makes an unclear sound, how will you prepare for battle? He's talking about use, they use the bugle to, uh, for armies to know when to advance or when to retreat or when to flank somebody. Or what. And he's like, hey, listen, if they can't understand the right sounds out of the flute, they're not going to know what to do. <clears throat> In the same way, verse 9, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will what is spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air. There is doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in, what's this? Building up the church. Therefore, the person who speaks in another tongue should pray that he can interpret for if I pray in another tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing praise with the spirit, and I will also sing praise with my understanding. Otherwise, if you praise with the spirit, how will the outsider say amen if you're giving thanks since he does not know what you are saying? For you may very well be giving thanks, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in other tongues more than all of you, yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order that, to teach others also than 10,000 words in another tongue. Brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants in regard to evil and adult in your thinking. It is written in the law, I will speak to this people by people of other tongues and by the lips of foreigners and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord, speaking in other tongues then, Paul says, is intended as a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church assembles together and all are speaking in other tongues and people who are outsiders or unbelievers come in, how will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all are prophesying and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he is convicted by all and is called by, to account by all, and the secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming, God is really among you. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, our desire for the rest of this time that we gather together is that you will be glorified and that people would see and know that you are here. So Father, as we've been, as we just had the opportunity to give out of all the blessings that you have given us, we pray that you will be glorified through that. Father, we came in here and we got to shake hands and exchange smiles, and sometimes even give a hug. And I pray that you would be glorified in that. And as we got to read scripture earlier and, and sing praises to you in our minds and our voices, I pray that you 
received glory from that. And even as we finish up this, this time, may you be glorified, Father, and may our hearts be open. May our minds and ears be open to hear your truth from your Holy Spirit, from your precious word. May we let it penetrate into the very depths of our soul that it would change us to be more like your son, Jesus. Father, I'm thankful for this church family. I'm thankful that we are surrounded this morning by people that we care about and that we love and that love us. But even more than that, Father, thank you for loving us and sending Jesus. When, when we were unworthy, completely unworthy of anything from you, you desired a relationship with us. And I'm so thankful for that. Father, may we never, ever forget the, the precious message of the gospel and how we all need it. And help us to build each other up, Lord, from our time together. And may we reach those out in the world that are struggling and they need something. They don't even know what they need, but we know they need you. May we be obedient when you call us to go. May we be obedient when you call us to speak. and Help us to love. And let our light shine so that you get glory, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Super Bowl has a halftime. We kind of had a halftime prayer there. Is that all right? I would say that's just my introduction, but it's not. So we're, we're all right. So this text, and, it, and I'm sure you understand everything about this already because I just read it, but it is kind of, it's kind of complicated. So if you'll allow me just a little bit to maybe make a little more sense of this on how we believe. But this text gets a lot of attention because it talks about tongues but and pastor jeff mentioned last week that there's different kinds of tongues in scripture in acts chapter 2 peter was preaching his very first sermon that we're recorded of he's preaching this sermon and there's people of all different languages uh, in the audience and as he's speaking it's really cool because everyone heard in their own language that's pretty cool right if you've been somewhere um, where other people have been speaking different languages, it's, you know, you kind of like wonder what's going on, but everyone heard in their own language, and that's pretty cool. And then there's also, it seems like in this text, there, there seems to be this kind of Holy Spirit-inspired prayer language, this angelic voice that we praise God with, and, and I, I don't know exactly what that looks like or what that means, but, but maybe or maybe not, um, you've witnessed something like that, but maybe what we've experienced in the past may or may not be this. I, I'm not sure, but I just want you to notice a couple things about these tongues. If you'll look back with me at, at verse 2, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, it says, For the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people, but to God, since no one understands him. He speaks mysteries in the spirit. So there seems to be some kind of a, like this prayer language, right, that you're speaking and people don't understand you. I, I don't know if this is the case or not, but I think back to 1 Samuel chapter 1 when this woman named Hannah was praying to God. She wanted a son so badly, so she went to the temple 
and Eli was the priest, and she got down on her hands and knees, and she was just praying with all of her heart, God, please give me a son. I'll, I'll give him back to you. I, and, and he literally thought she was drunk, right? So I don't know what she was saying or how that, what, but she was praying in such a way that he didn't understand what was going on, right? And this, there seems to be some kind of um, gift that Paul's talking about here. But I think oftentimes <clears throat> this gift of tongues, whatever this looks like, is there's, there's some ways that we get it wrong, and I just want to point out a couple of those just to kind of edify us and help us and hopefully so we don't get confused about this. Because oftentimes, tongues is sought out by people in the church like it's the pinnacle of, you know, like if I really, 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 really get spiritual, I'll speak in tongues, right? And so it's their, the desire is that all of us speak in tongues, and that, that just shows that we've really hit the mark. But that's in context of 11, 12, 13, and 14. That's not what he's saying, is it? Chapter 12 says, listen, not all of you have the same gifts. And, and he gives some to some people and some to the others. And God's the one that decides what gifts you get. And then in 13, he's like, listen, tongues at some point are going to cease. But love never fails. So he's reminding us beforehand, right, before we get to this. Listen, there's some parameters on this that I want you to know about. And so I think that's pretty cool. Like if you've never experienced tongues, that I, I wouldn't feel less than, you know. I wouldn't worry about that because that's all in God's hands. Um, so see why t context is so important and why I spent time reviewing where we've been to get to where we're at. And so this is... Uh, why we had to start with this review and to make context is so important. So seeking, seeking tongues above everything else, I don't believe that's biblical. Another misuse that some churches maybe do is, is the interpretation of tongues. And Pastor Jeff might talk about this as he finishes up this chapter next week because um, it, it, it deals with it later in this chapter. But look at verses 13 and 14. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 13 and 14 says, therefore, the person who speaks in another tongue should pray that he can interpret. For if I pray in another tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Right? So to, to all the people around, like if you're praying in tongues, it's unfruitful. It's not building up the church if there's no interpretation. So verse 28, we won't get that. We'll get that next week. But it says, listen, if there's no one interpreting, stay quiet. Stay quiet. And that doesn't normally happen in a lot of churches, I don't, I don't feel. So there are scriptural parameters, amen? Scriptural parameters around this. And we're just trying to look at God's word and say, okay, so what does this mean and how does it apply to us? But let's focus on what's, what I think is the primary proclamation and primary importance of this chapter and that is the proclamation of the gospel and biblical truth and he calls it prophesying declaring divine truth the preaching the teaching the declaration of what God's God's word says it's not it, it can involve foretelling but this I don't believe this is in context that's what he's talking about so the whole context of these chapters is building up the body of Christ, his church, 
with the Lord's Supper and doing that proper, with gifts doing and using those, and with loving each other. And then look at verse 3. Oh, wait a minute. I wanted to go to verse 4 real quick. Verse 4 says, The person who speaks in another tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And that's, that's, I, I believe that's the point of these this verses 1 through 25, building up the church. So look at verse 3. On the other hand, the person who prophesies, he's saying, look, some, you know, some people speak in tongues, but on the other hand, the person, verse 3, who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening and encouragement and consolation. In other words, their comfort. So the one, the one who's preaching and teaching in Sunday school classes and from this pulpit and in other places where you're declaring God's truth, the one who teaches is strengthening the one who's listening. And the one who teaches God's word is encouraging the one who's listening. And the one who teaches God's word provides comfort for the one who's listening. Amen? Because they can understand it. We're, we're to make difficult things be clear. And so we're encouraged and we're strengthened and we're built up and we're comforted. Does that make sense? Amen, church? <clears throat> and we're building up each other. It reminds me of 2 Timothy 3, 16, that says all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, right? <clears throat> That's how I memorized it in, in King James. Some of your versions say something different, but the idea is we're told what to believe. Uh, it points out when we fail. It, it helps us to fix when we've messed up, and then it tells us how to not do it again, Right? So all of Scripture tells us what to believe. Oh, here's when you messed up. Here's how to fix it. And here's how to not do it again. That's what Scripture is, and it builds us up. And if people can't under, you know, they don't understand what's, what's happening, then they can't be blessed in that way. So declaring truth in Scripture is so valuable and so helpful. Look at verse 11 with me, if you would, please. Therefore... If I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. I was thinking about when we go to Ecuador in 24, I was thinking about this. You know, we're, we're going to go into places where uh, you or the person with you will be the only one possibly that speaks English, right? And if you can't understand what's going on and they can't understand you, that's not very beneficial, is it? It's not very profitable. So we're going to be so thankful that we have interpreters with us so that we can share the good news of the gospel with folks and they can understand it. We're, we're going to be so thankful for an interpreter so that, so that we know what their needs are and we can address them and we know how to answer their questions. And Amen? And, and so that's what verses, it's like, listen, you, if you've been around where people don't understand you and you don't understand them, it can get kind of frustrating. So interpretation is so uh, important. And when we declare God's truth. That's why we want to make it so plain. It's, it's cool when people speak in tongues is kind of what verse 18 says, but look at verse 19. So it, it's neat when people speak in tongues in the church because they're praying to God and, and maybe really close to God or whatever, but look at verse 19. Yet in the church, look at, look at this with me, church. Paul says, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to teach others than 10,000 words of another tongue. 
there's a pretty important parameter that he sets on this, isn't it? Of importance. Like, you know what's really important? is for you and I to engage in what God's word says and to understand what God wants us to know and how to behave and how to draw closer to him and how to build our relationship with him. That's so much important, more important than 10,000 words in another tongue. Our desire here at Wyatt Park is that you understand what God's word says so that you can grow and be built up mature in your walk with Jesus, to be able to share with others as well. Each and every week we go through scripture like this, whether it's difficult or not, uh, we go through scripture to deliver a message of God through the Holy Spirit about Jesus. Because you know why? We all need that. People who have been saved since they were three or five, we need that. People who don't know Jesus, they need that. Look at verse 23. We'll finish out here. It says, if therefore the whole church assembles together and all are speaking in other tongues and people who are outsiders or unbelievers come in, will they not say, what's it say here? These people are nuts. I don't understand what's going on. Why is everybody, you know, I don't don't get it. It's not profitable for them. Verse 24, but if we're all declaring God's truth, if we're all talking about Jesus and engaging in what Scripture says, verse 24 says, if we're all doing that and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he is convicted by all that we're saying and is called to account. And then look at verse 25, and the secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God and proclaim Man, God's in this place. God is in this place. His truth is being declared, right? I'm being convicted by the Holy Spirit. I know that God is here because God is convicting my heart and he's, he's filling me with his love and he's drawing me to himself or whatever, right? If, if there's 10,000 words of another tongue, people are just gonna be like, whoa, I don't, I don't get it, amen? So that's what we're about. Here at Wyatt Park, when, we, when people see our actions, we want them to see Jesus. And when they perceive our hearts, we want them to sense the love of Christ. And when they hear our words, we want them to hear the truth from God. And then they will glorify God. And they, it may cause conviction, it may lead to repentance, it may lead to salvation. You and I, no matter how long we've been in this place or a part of another church or whatever, we should never, ever tire of the simple gospel message. All of us, all of us, including pastors and maybe especially pastors, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we all need a Savior because the, re- the wage is the result of that failing those the result of us tracking away from god is eternal separation from him in hell to be punished for what we truly deserve we've pursued our own desires but church 
God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus, the perfect lamb to take our place on the cross. I'm gonna have the praise team come on up if they would and I want you to begin to prepare your heart. If this message resonates with you at all, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to the love of Jesus Christ. You know that God is a, he is a loving God. He is a forgiving God, a compassionate God. He's a God that gives us mercy. That means we don't get what we deserve. And he gives us grace, which means we do get what we don't deserve. Because he loves us and he wants to pursue a relationship with us. And give us the, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit of God. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And I just want to ask you what your next step is. I was nine years old and my mom and dad had just come to Christ I was just nine years old. I didn't, I didn't think I needed anything, you know, but more time playing ball and stuff like that. But my mom and dad had just come to Christ, so they offered up our backyard for a backyard Bible club for our neighborhood. Um, I don't do very well with names, but I remember from when I was nine years old, this lady by the name of Betty Lane. And she was, I mean, she was old, you know, probably, probably 35, you know, I don't know. But I mean, to a nine-year-old, I, but I, I was just listening to her all week as, as I could just see the love of Jesus pouring through her. And as a nine-year-old boy, it was on a Thursday, a Thursday afternoon in August. He gave me the opportunity to trust in Jesus. And I said, man, I, I need Jesus. So she prayed with me right in my backyard. We want to give you an opportunity this morning to come to Jesus. He's, his Holy Spirit is reaching into your heart right now. You can feel him. You, you can tell he loves you. He wants, he wants you to love him back and to believe in him. And he'll give you all kinds of amazing things, including life eternal with him in glory. If God's calling you to do that or maybe to join the church or, or maybe you just need to come at the altar here and, and pray for someone else who needs Jesus or whatever, uh, Pastor Jeff's going to be in the back back there and I'll, I'll be back over here. If you need to respond, would you respond to what God calls you?